Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for all the uh, lovely feedback. As of late, because of things and stuff, I seem to be around a bit out there in the world, in the zeitgeist. I'm flying around the zeitgeist with different uh, types of facial hair. It's weird when they run something on television that was shot months ago, and I realize I'm still changing my haircut too often. Can't I just settle on a fucking haircut? I'm a grown man. It's time I look the same for the rest of it. So what's happening? Julie Klausner... From the podcast, uh, How Was Your Week, is on the show today. I'm now reaching into my pocket for a nicotine lozenge, because God forbid I go without one for five fucking minutes. I'm amazed. I now have, like, actual facial twitches that are directly relatable to the way I move my nicotine lozenge around my mouth. And to the point where my girlfriend now makes fun of it. There's a face that she can make and do this weird, dumb thing with her mouth and her tongue to mock me moving a lozenge around. That, that is not something I want as my hook. I don't want people to be able to do an impression of me moving my lozenge around with my tongue. I had chest pains today. I did. I had chest pains in my chest today. That's where they happen. I, I, I let it go because you know there, I was nervous today. I'll get to that in a minute. I do want to say right off the bat here that there is no negotiating with raccoons. There's no way you can meet a raccoon halfway. I walked out last night. There were four fucking... I saw one raccoon eating the cat food. Then I walked around the corner to where the garage is, and I had accidentally cornered three raccoons at the end of the driveway before the gate here that goes into my backyard. So these were big, cornered raccoons, and I got to be honest with you, I was much more frightened than they were. I had no idea how they would react. I ran back into the house, and they ran under the deck. But there's just no there's no midway point. They're just if you give them the run of things, they will take it. There's no way to get rid of them unless you scare them and and they have a place to run. But they will they will fucking eat anything. I don't know what's going and they bathe in my cat water. I don't know what they every time the raccoons come, I've caught them doing it. They stick their face and their paws into the cat water. All right. Here's what happened today. The reason I think I had chest pains was I just taped an episode of Jeffrey Ross's new show, The Burn, on Comedy Central. And as some of you know who listen to this show, uh, I I had my own little Vietnam with a roast situation when I roasted Chevy Chase. The roast of Chevy Chase, which I know a lot of you say after hearing my story, looks fine because they picked good jokes that I did and they sweetened the shit out of it. But that was the worst night of my life. And from that night, I mean, that's got to be going on almost 10 years ago. I did that. I have been traumatized when it comes to roasting. And I've decided that I don't know how to roast because I'm innately too mean. That my belief is that I'm good at insulting people if I feel cornered, which could you know be when I meet you. It, it could be that quick. 
But I also know that when I put people down, it's in more of a bullying kind of way that I'm looking Yeah, if I'm defensive or I'm freaked out or I want to get, uh, you know, a toe in or a leg up or whatever the hell the saying is, you know, I'll take a shot. It'll be funny, but it'll be cutting. So I never really I, I don't know that area in between saying something funny and insulting and just saying something, you know, mean. So I've stayed away from roasts and. You know, Jeffrey asked me to uh, to be on this new show. So I'm going to be on the show tomorrow night. And I was I was nervous. Like, I don't get that nervous anymore. I just did a Chelsea lately for the second time. I feel like I should be doing this type of stuff. Even if I I barely think about pop culture. I got to be honest with you. I, I am so detached from it. But it's not on principle. I've never been that involved with it. I rarely watch TV shows. I do not know what the hell's going on in the world of gossip or the world of celebrity. I barely knew who I, I don't I hardly know who half the celebrities are. I don't know if I need to. I think I do all right without knowing that stuff. But okay, so Jeff asked me to to be on the show. And I gotta be honest with you, I, I love Jeff Ross. I mean, Jeff Ross has figured out Jeff Ross is a unique comic in that he's almost timeless. There's a type of uh, Jewish comedian, and I say Jewish because he's a classic. And I, I think maybe I've told this story on the show before. I've known Jeff Ross since he was Jeff Lifschultz. I've known Jeff Ross since, you know, he started doing comedy you know, way back. I mean, it's got to be 20, 22 years, 25 years. I've known Jeff Ross that long. I knew Jeff Ross when he wasn't funny. I knew Jeff Ross when, when he was Jeff Lifschultz and would stand up there on stage and I could not figure out. I, it was like watching paint dry with your ears. And then at some point he got funny and he changed his name. And but he's such a classic. There's a real skill to doing the type of jokes he does. They're they're brutal, but there's a delicacy to delivering a roast joke, to delivering a mean joke that isn't mean spirited. The story I used to tell about Jeff is that I think Jeff is timeless in the sense that I don't know if you saw the movie The Shining, but at the end of that movie, where the bartender or no the butler who's a ghost, is talking to Jack Nicholson. And uh, the butler says something along the lines of, you know, you've always been here, Mr. Torrance. And they zoom in on a picture of the Overlook Hotel in like the 20s. And there's Jack Nicholson in the middle of this group shot. And I think that's the same with Jeff Ross. I think I think it would be the ghost of a club booker from the 20s saying, uh, you've always been here, Mr. Ross. And it'd be a picture of him and and uh, the, the cast of the Goldbergs from radio, you know, Jack Burns, Fred Allen, you know, Jack Benny. I just feel like there's something about the spirit of Jeff Ross that has always been in comedy. So I have a respect for the guy and we go way back and he's a sweet guy and I, he wants me to do a show and I'm nervous because I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to pull it off. I have to write these jokes that are, are basically mean uh, and I have to deliver them in a not mean way. So I was a little freaked out on the panel with me is Gilbert Gottfried and uh, Russell Peters and they sent the topics and I, you know, I, 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 I kind of sweat over them and I, and I wrote some jokes and I got there and it was great. It was great to see Gilbert. Uh, he'll be on an upcoming WTF. And Russell, who's been on the show, it was great to see him. Norm MacDonald was hanging around. It was really sort of a, a nice event. And uh, I got up there with my jokes, and I was very careful not to be freaked out and not to be defensive, or I'd be, or I know I'd be too mean. And because I, I know that I've got that in me, I know I can be a dick. 
And the trick of doing roast type of jokes is to be a dick, but still be sweet about it and not make it look like you're just a dick. And I got to be honest with you, I think I pulled it off. I think not unlike the time that I sang on stage, I think I have finally overcome my fear of insult comedy, thanks to Jeff Ross. That show, The Burn, uh, is on Comedy Central tomorrow night, 10.30 here, 9.30 Central. But uh, tell me what you think. Uh, Gilbert was hilarious. It's He's such a sweet little guy. It's hard not to bust his balls. We got to do that. We busted each other's balls. I busted on Jeff. We did the topics. And I don't think I was too mean. But I felt it at the end. Because at the end, he does this thing where he roasts members of the crowd. And, you know, he gets volunteers and they stand up. And there was a moment there where, you know, we were asked to sort of chime in. I think that's going to be on the internet. And, I, and there was just some guy you know, and Jeff asked him, you know, you, you, where do you work? And he goes, I work at a grocery store. And the only thing that could come into my mind was, uh, you know, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard, which is not, that's just, it's not mean. It's just like, it's. Too, I think there's a fine line between being mean and being too honest. Look, a job is a job. But like when I picture myself working at a grocery store, it's it's not a pleasant experience. Maybe I should have framed it that way. Maybe I should have said, oh my God, I just pictured myself working at a grocery store and that made me sad. I don't know, but I felt a little weird about that. And I realized like I should just you know stick with roasting people who can take it and not just be mean. Ugh, it's a lesson. It was a lesson. So enjoy that. All right, let's talk to Julie Klausner. She's got red hair. <laughs> Julie Klausner is here. How are yeah, you? Why, why do you sound frightened? You, you I'm, spend ter- your, I'm really nervous. Why are you nervous? You spend your life in, in front of a microphone. I don't spend my life in front of you, Mark. But what do you? <laughs> but why did? Why would you be nervous around me? You're, uh, you know, an independently minded, uh, tough Jewish broad. Yeah, <laughs> Elaine Kaufman. Is that your real name? No. Who's Elaine Kaufman? Of Elaine's. Oh yeah. I just that's you. is that how you picture yeah. me? Like a young Elaine Kaufman, like. Why not? I don't know. You're, you're running a, a powerful uh, restaurant and bar out of your <laughs> yes, apartment. Gore, Gore Vidal is in one corner. Tom Wolf is in another. Are they hanging out? No, they're not talking. Oh, why do I make you nervous? Let's get to the bottom of it because I'm tired of making people nervous. What is it about me? I don't know you well. You're you're not feeling well today, and that makes me nervous. So you're, you're in a bad mood. Oh, you I, thought I was cranky. Well, just that, not that cranky, but I just don't want to impose. And and I, I know that you you know were sort of feeling under the weather and maybe would have. Rather... I felt well. I felt bad, but I I did a, like I like I could have just written you an email and said I'm sick. No, Julie, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I decided to throw the ball in your court and right. let you bail. But you're like, oh, no problem. Uh, it'll be fine. I'll come earlier. Well, because <laughs> you came. Or, I know you flew in for this. I didn't fly in for this, but I, I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it, and I and I. I can and, tell. No, I, I no, I know, I know. I know. I know. But you can hear I'm genuinely sick. I'm not making it up. You're about to lift tea. I assume there's tea in that cup. No, it's coffee. Okay. I'm not that sick. It would have been more medicinal. <laughs> no, of course. Tea. No, I know tea and water. It's all good. But like, I I have a cold, but I'm not. Uh, energy is not compromised. You get depressed when you're sick. No, yeah. I get relaxed. I'm I'm great. I'm grateful if I'm sick for a few days. If I don't have yeah. anything to do, because I don't know how to relax. Mm-hmm. I don't either. <laughs> No. What are you doing out No. Here? I'm doing a show tomorrow night, uh, like a live version of the, the podcast really? sort of thing. Yeah. Where? At uh, Comedy Central Stage. 
Oh, really? With Ted Leo and uh, Billy Eichner and this girl, Katie Natopoulos, who's uh-huh. uh, on Buzz. She's like an editor of BuzzFeed, and she collects like weird internet things. So she's my, my second guest. And uh, are you coming out here to do meetings? Do you do meetings? I've done meetings. I will continue to, to meet uh-huh. until uh, until everything's been met. Well, I mean, didn't they? Aren't they doing a television show based on a thing you did, or did the? Is that happening? Well, they're so I, I wrote a book. That oh. book, your very popular <laughs> book. Uh, I don't care about your band. It was options. Yes, by Gary Sanchez. Yeah. And it was in development at HBO, and Lizzie Kaplan was going to be in it, and then it didn't go forward. Right. Um, which is disappointing, but in a, I don't know. To be completely honest, I was a little relieved because I didn't get to write the script. The person they got to write the script is awesome, Leslie Headland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she did a great job. Right. Um, and, uh, and it didn't go forward, and I, I was disappointed, but I remember being like, you know, it would have been... Uh, I don't know. I would I would have liked to have. Written. How much power would you have had though in, in something like that? I mean, if you if you didn't write the script, you would just get what a created by type of thing. They or? they got they were really nice about keeping me involved, and they would yeah, show me stuff around. That's what they tell you. Just keep showing her until she stops caring and gets angry. <laughs> until her emails just go right to the spam folder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, everyone was super nice, and they were all. But it was like it was like my you know my life story. It was really really personal. Mm-hmm. So it was terrifying. Well, where did you grow up? Let's get into the Scarsdale. Scarsdale, New York. I knew a guy from Scarsdale, Cliff Melman. About, Cliff sounds Melman. about right. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like that story checks out. Yeah, Clifford Melman. We used to call him Sniff in college. I just re uh, <laughs> I just recontacted with Sniff actually. Sniff and I had a a thing we did freshman year of college uh, called the ACDC cruise, where we would buy forty ounce beers and we get in the car and just put ACDC on and drive until the beer ran out and then <laughs> drive back. That's Scarsdale to me. Is it? Well, I went to his house once and I met his sisters and his. Uh, Were they pretty? Well, you know, how were the Melmans? The, how were the the, the the sisters Melman? They they were great. They were all great. His his father was a character. It just seems that like in my mind, Scarsdale represents the Jew that I didn't become. That's a very astute way of putting it. That somehow I was fortunate enough to be taken away from the East Coast at a young enough age not to be Scarsdale. Well, it is sort of the bizarro version of Great Neck. I know that there's a lot of like Schadenfreude whenever something horrible happens in Great Neck. People in Scarsdale are thrilled and vice versa. Like when the Scar. Scarsdale diet doctor was murdered. Yeah. People in Great Neck high five, and then when capturing the Freedmen's came out, everyone Scarsdale had a little bit of a little little spring in their step extra that day. Did that get big coverage here? I guess the Freedman thing was a pretty big story there. Oh sure, yeah. yes, yeah. They were Jews <laughs> don't a, have anything to talk about. Jews, at, women at, uh, at at beauty parlors. Women at there was the, yeah. uh, a, at a, shoe, a shoe shop called the Shoe Inn. Yeah, do you get it? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? I think so. (laughs) The shoe-in. It's like, you'll be a shoe-in. Yeah, it's your place. That was where the... you know, the gossip would fly. Uh-huh. Oh, did you hear about this computer teacher who's you know, reportedly molesting all these, like just habitually, you uh-huh. know, capturing the Freedmen? Sure, yeah, I did. I enjoyed that documentary. It was a I'm good not, documentary. Well, I'm not sure how he felt about it uh, after everything is said and done. It was one of those ambiguous third acts where you're like, yeah, I yeah. want closure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like uh, the the older son was actually doing comedy for a while, I believe. Like, he was? I think he was around. Uh, I remember it sort of happening. I'm like, Jesse, oh. the one who was like exonerated? The clown, the clown. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Once yeah. a clown. Yeah, yeah. But it was so, it was kind of rough. 
Yeah. So what, what kind of thing did you grow up with? What was the uh, the parental structure? Very, oh, tra- traditional mother, father. I went to Hebrew school. I <laughs> Ju- mean- Traditional Jewish mother tra- traditional, and father? Oh, completely, completely. What was your dad, a doctor, a dentist, an uh, accountant, accountant, a lawyer? Accountant, okay. You got it on the third, was it? Yeah. The third, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My mom is a shrink. Oh, really? Yes. That's a, that's rough. It's fine. Yeah, so everything's in order. Um. <laughs> <laughs> is that your impression uh no not at all there I mean, are two kinds of shrinks there are, th- there are shrinks that i think are genuinely compassionate like sort of smarty pants types and then there's the crazy shrinks and mm. that has to do with i think crazy is attracted to crazy why do people become shrinks well I because think they're you know i mean they gotta have something going on i don't want to you know say anything bad about your mom no 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 um you saying your First mom's all, crazy? You're welcome to. No. I think she's the first kind and that she's always sort of been giving people advice and she's very intuitive. Then there are the shrinks that are just, you know, balls out, whack, wackos. And those are the ones that I think went into the industry because they were like, oh, I'm really fascinated by crazy. And it's like, that's because, you know, that's yeah. everywhere you look and who you are. I don't know. You know, so much of it is speculative. I, I, I have, um, I don't go to a shrink. Do you? Yes. You do? Well, on, kind of, on wait, and off. What, your mom was like, um, what was she, a psychologist? Yes. Okay. Psychologist. So it wasn't an analysis. She didn't have a med- oh, she's not no, a medical no. doctor. She wasn't a prescriber of pills. No. She was a let's talk person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And she was, uh, you know how she did, was she interactive with her? She still is. She still uh, treats like couples and individuals and she still has a practice. See, I think that it's, it's, a, it's good for couples. But I think as after a certain point, depending on how old you are and what the depth of your issues are, going to a shrink is a waste of fucking time. Well, it depends on the shrink and it depends on what you want. Have you you've been successful in the past with couples, couples therapy? No, I, I was successful in avoiding it and doing it too late, and then realizing, <laughs> oh, this could have been really good. It could have worked mm-hmm. because I, there's so yeah. much that isn't communicated between couples that needs to be facilitated. Yes, I agree. Although I think it works best when both couples have the same goal, which is both to people? stay together. Right. I mean, yeah, both people, yeah. Yeah, I was I was in, in serious troubleshooting mode by the time I ended up. Yeah, it, it really was just facilitating her uh, uh, her voice to tell me exactly why it was over. Right, it was almost as though the shrink was there to hand her a microphone sure, and to be yeah. like, Mark? Yeah, it's done. We're done? Yeah, horrible. And we, here's, like, here's the horrible. witness, yeah. basically. Yeah, could you sign this paper? Never, yeah. I've never been to couples therapy. Yeah, are you a couple? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I've Married? been with a guy for no. I've been with a guy for almost uh, four years. Yeah. What are you getting? Is like, when's it going to happen? Where's the ring? I, oh, it's happening. I, I don't. I, you mean marriage? Mm. I'm not thinking about it, Mark. Not at all. Not right now. Huh. Is that is that uh, is that an anomaly for like a Jewish girl from Scarsdale who's no, not I'm just like trying to believe got you. rings know. in my eyes? <laughs> not even rings. I just I you know I don't know about uh, you know girls who say they're not thinking about it. Because it seems to me that uh, they're they are. Sometimes I I have been, but yeah. right now I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's a moment to moment thing. I don't. But so you're a shrinks kid. Yeah. So you had to live with that. Yeah. <laughs> if you call it living. Yeah. It's fine. I I actually tend to be like very you know that's kind of my second, not my fallback thing, but I can be a little shrinky. Really. Well. But, but isn't it kind of like I, my first wife was a shrinks daughter. <laughs> yes. But she didn't seem very crazy. But it's always like, oh, shrinks, kid. Uh-oh. I think, oh, really? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, it's a thing. How could you not know that? Because you've been on the other end of the shrinkness growing up? I don't know. It's just this sort of assumption. There was a there was a family, the Rosensteins, who lived down the street from me in New Mexico, who and their, their father was a shrink. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, there was a stigma to it. I see. Like, you, you just, I think it's like Skinnerian. You just assume, like, oh, those kids have got to be all mushy in the brain. Well... 
I think male shrinks are also different. Mm. I think women are sort of naturally suited to just be like, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Maybe yeah. I can help you out. There's something about a man listening to you while you're on a couch and he has a pad. Yeah. Kind of makes me think of like like Dylan Baker's character and happiness. Right, Wasn't right, he a shrink? Right. I mean, he was also a pederast, but... Uh, was he a shrink? I think so. Oh, my God. Maybe he was. There's something a little... I mean, not all male shrinks. And I think in many cases, therapy works when men go to see men. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, there's just... I don't know. It's a different thing. I'm just too heady, you know? So sometimes shrinks, like, if they can give me a new way to think about things, that's good. But to get me to a place where I can uh, effectively emote, you know, to actually do the work around the emotions that, uh, you know, you're avoiding with your brain. Well, what are what is the work that you're talking about in order to, like, understand how you're feeling and make it reasonable? Well, either you're going to, you know, you can, I think you can intellectually wrap your brain around your problems if you have some self-awareness. But that doesn't mean you can work through the grief or, you know what I mean? So you can understand why you're feeling right, horrible right. without feeling any better about it. Of course. Yeah. And then you can just sort of say, oh, that's because I'm, as opposed to resolving it, which I think you, you actually actively have to uh, experience those feelings or just get too old to give a shit anymore. Well, I think both of those <laughs> things have to do with time healing all yeah, words, yeah. like time and distance. I, I think the most, like... Uh, the best advice I ever got around my because I'm very emotional and that's definitely something I, I always say like the only thing I'm afraid of is my own feelings. Yeah. And I think the only way to look at them in a way that's helpful is just to think of them like the weather. Like, oh, it's this is a this is a bad storm. Right. <laughs> boy, oh, go. boy. Hope it blows over soon. Maybe tomorrow will be nicer. And then yeah. you kind of like do a little dance, yeah. distract yourself yeah, yeah, from yeah. like just the crushing yeah. pain. Or eat. <laughs> oh, and eat. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how you do it? Of course. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Are you eating crazy? I've always, you know, it's like a Jewish thing. That is it's it? Emotional eating? Of course. I think it's a, is it? Yeah, I guess it is sort of a Jewish thing. You think that. But, oh, you know it. You know that it is. Uh, <laughs> of all the things to I be addicted to. I would eat all the to. time. I love you. You look thin. Oh, good. All right. So I'm better You do. Now. I, I didn't know better. if you were like. I don't even like... feel sick anymore. Really? Yeah, just say that a few more times. You time, do but, look thin. Holy shit. Now I'm, I'm worried about I'm you. In, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm actually... You brought uh, a pie or something. I'm little, uh, uh, some rug luck. <laughs> so what What went wrong? With what? <laughs> I don't know. You, you, said, you said your book was very personal. Yes. My book is about my 20s and sort of failing, co- sort of constantly making mistakes and saying, oh, okay, and then going ahead and, and doing them again and saying... This sounds crazy. I'm going to go ahead and try it. Like, what's the list? Well, it's just a series of situations that I had hoped would end in love, but generally were just either sex or false starts or, you know, I'd I'd call it bad judgment. But looking back, I, I don't regret it because I just don't think I would have done it any differently. But do you think it's like on the dude or what? Yes. Okay. <laughs> And what what did you what would you what did you uh, come out with um, on the other end of it learning about dudes? This, well, a, a lot about just that there's a generation of girls my age and girls, women, whatever you want to call people that aren't you know twenty anymore, but aren't forty yet. I guess in between, right? That grew up just thinking they could have it all, just knowing that we deserved absolutely everything: career, the husband, whatever it is that we wanted, and then it. Our, our equivalent generation of guys just kind of didn't have the same, I guess we're dealing with a generation of guys that aren't up to task. 
And that's that, sort of what I believe. Is that generalization in the sense that maybe you're just yes. talking about the pool of guys that you seem to be revolving around? It is a generalization, but I I love generalizations because you learn things from them, don't you? No, no, no. I know, but like I, I'm I, like lately, I've been sort of aggravated at what people see as as generational because I think that sometimes is very specific. Yes. Because I think that if you want to sort of date out of your trend pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you could probably find exactly what you're looking well, for. Well, I had done that too, and I still found stuff to fetch about, but I don't think it was. I, I, I don't. I, I know exactly what you mean that, like, sometimes people are so myopic that they sort of just do things in order to, to prove their own worldview correct rather than actually looking for well, happiness. Uh, well, there's a bunch of droopy, bearded man children running around. Uh, you know, we have, you know, half assed. Um, uh, committed to their art or whatever, but yeah. more committed to their beard. Yeah. Uh, that I don't, and I, I also don't know that uh, a lot of dudes are on the sort of ambitious trajectory, a, a career oriented thing. Or if they are, they sort of think, well, then I don't have time to have a relationship or I don't have time to kind of, you know, indulge the romantic sides of, of what I might be looking to do. Whereas like real artists, I think, have to have a personal life. Otherwise, what are you going to make art about? Well, well, sometimes they're disturbed and truly disturbed. Did you ever go out with anybody like truly disturbed? Of course. Like what? Oh, well, there was a guy in the book I, I talked about who like stolen a car for kicks and it turns out there was a baby in the back seat, And he like told me this story on the first date that he was charged with like kidnapping and grand larceny and Larceny, yeah. not larcery. That's larceny. not a word. I don't even know if that is a word, but I like it. It's a pretty name. I make up words all the time. And uh, larcery is a gorgeous It was one of those name. things where I was like, yeah, all right. Nice you meeting you. Yeah. But but it was just, it wait, was just wait. like filterless. How it many was, days did you go on? Uh, uh, I think just one. No, oh. maybe. Wait, no, we had two. But the second one wasn't really a date. It was just like, all right. Nice. It, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a larcenerous He came over kidnap. at three. And, just, a, so just some light kidnapping. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you agreed to it. We agreed to disagree. <laughs> There's definitely some, you know, disturbed people out there. But I think I, I and I hope that people got the intention of the book, which is that I was looking for love. I was looking to connect and I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And a lot of women responded to it. And that was and, and men, too. But I definitely get like still grateful emails from girls that are teenagers and women older than me saying, thank you for writing this book. I thought it was just me. Really? Yeah. Because I'm trying to think about my side of it mm-hmm. with you and with whatever you're representing right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Because between my second divorce and wherever I'm at now, which is with a woman. For how long? If you don't mind me asking. I think we've known each other a couple of years and she just moved in. But, you know, we broke up and it was crazy. But I went on a, 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 an extraordinary tear of aggressive dating and sex. Sure. And I was sort of surprised at how quickly some women thought this was it. Mm-hmm. This was like, this is right. Mm-hmm. And how th- that I gave no real indication of that. Mm-hmm. That it was a, a, a sort of misread. Like, cause I mean, we both know you can have pretty good sex with strangers. You probably could have, you know, on some level, better sex with the stranger. If you do it like twice or three times, then you will a year from then. Okay. Oh, but can you have, can you, I guess it's hard not to, in my experience, fall in love with somebody with, that, it, it's, from my experience, it's hard not to fall in love with somebody when the sex is really great. It is, right? Yes. As a woman. 
As a woman, I'm going to start every sentence from now on with that. Is that okay? As a woman, I would love another glass of water. <laughs> as a woman, that has been my experience as a woman. So that, so, but, but then you're going to hold that on the dude? Well, it's not that you're holding it and it's not that you're necessarily expecting it as much as you just sort of hope that, you yeah. hope that he feels the same thing. And when he doesn't, it's always disappointing. But do you think that's just because we're sexually wired differently? I mean, because like some dudes think of sex as a sport. Mm-hmm. And, we're definitely, yeah. we're definitely wired. And so they, you know, they're just trying to be as good at it as possible. Okay, that's weird. What do you mean, good at it? <laughs> like you know, like like have as many women as possible. No, or? no, no. I mean, mm-hmm. like really show up and you know do a good job with one woman. Uh huh. So she can talk about it, or so she could fall in love with you. No, because you, you, you sort of crave that connection. I mean, sex is a very intense connection. I don't know that it necessarily has to be emotional, but sexual chemistry and the intensity of a sexual experience is a real buzz. It's a real, you know. But how is that not emotional if, if sex is important to you? How, how, what do you mean, how is it not emotional? How, why does sex have to be loaded up? Because if it's important to you and, and, and if it is a connection and if it is like a relationship, that how is that not emotional? Well, what if you just want to have a good time? Just want to have good sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for that in theory. I just haven't experienced that in practice. You've never had great sex with somebody you didn't like? Well, that was something else I figured out in what? the book, which is where the title came from, which was like, I figured out it was it was easy to be attracted to somebody that you don't like. And then you have decent sex. And then later you're like, I'm I'm really mad that he didn't call me, and you're like I don't even like this guy, and it is a it but, is, but the sex is good. It was fine. No, but then that, that's, I'm not. Using it was that very. It was, it was good example. looking, and yeah, I guess I guess it is possible to have great sex with someone you don't like, but it's hard to not have feelings for them, even though you know that it's it's not reasonable. Well, I think that's it. This is like some sort of weird age old problem. Yes, isn't it? I guess so. I mean, there's always going to come down to compromise if you're going to have some sort of harmonious reconciliation right well i think that love is something that it's like wanting love and wanting it to happen in some sort of organic way is is tricky Mm -hmm. isn't it i mean i I think depending on who you are and what you come from you're either going to be able to trust somebody or you're not yes and if you choose to trust somebody and you get hurt how much of that shit can you take well, Before you get sort of, you know, jaded and damaged and then you expect like, you know, well, come on, tear into my heart, you know, show me you mean it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I don't, I rarely think that it's as one-sided as I'm hearing. I understand that. I don't think it's one-sided at all. I think, uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think people who are hurt may tend to dissociate those two things a little bit more readily. What, sex too. and love? Yeah. And also, like, if you are looking for, you you might have an idea of what love is that can be kind of like a bullshit sort of quasi-virginal idea of like, the well, the woman I'm going to fuck is this, and the woman I'm going to marry is that, and like, the woman I'm going to marry is never going to like, you know, fuck me on the first date, or fuck like her, and like... like, That's the most mafia shit. That's disgusting. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. And I think that's changing. I think the backlash towards that, like, Rush Limbaugh comment, where he called that you know, very well-spoken young woman who was like, how about I get birth control covered? That, that he called her a slut yeah. and said, like, we should watch you have sex and, like, video if we're going to pay for your, you know, your slut pills. And mm-hmm. there was such a backlash against that that I thought was really heartening. Because I do think another thing about this generation of women is, like, 
they are not buying into this, like, if I fuck you on the first date, then I'm, you know, a whore mentality. No, yeah, I mean, and that's something, like, even personally, I've had to like, sort of reconcile in my head, is that, and I did sort of an awful joke about it, but um, but I do it occasionally, that why is there this weird double standard? And, um, you know, what I came up with was not that it's some sort of, you know, uh, remnants of patriarchy, that we judge women on a different standard. I, I actually think what I came up with was that I think in our minds, uh, the, the vagina is more difficult to clean. Oh, is that... <laughs> Really? That's what you came up with? Well, the, I was going to, I thought you were going to go biblical. No. I thought you were going to go no. biological. Like well, It's kind of biological. Well, it is. You're right. But it's more like Lysol biological than like no, right. monkeys no, no, no. want to make sure that the, the lady carrying the baby is like their baby. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm actually going with the fact that sort of like for some reason, mm. sticking something into something seems uh, you know more easy to clean up than like, I don't know what's going on in there. So I, I just think that when, when men judge a woman yeah. who, who has a lot of sex, uh-huh. they're like, oh, there's been so many in there really <laughs> so it's like it but but in other words that's like it's the my virginal, personal stupid no, it's opinion. fascinating it's fascinating but no but i don't uh, uh subscribe to that opinion like you know it's You've I th- entertained it well i was just trying to figure out why the double standard yeah. exists and outside of insecurity yes you know could there be some other you know reason for it and but i just think like you're saying mm-hmm. that women can fuck as much as guys and it's just you know it's not that sacred necessarily and and when you have a generation of women who have accepted that yeah then you're reckoning with almost real individuality yes you know in relation to the man so you're saying that that backlash is indicative of of a new generation of women who are I like we don't need to take so. that shit i think so yeah, yeah I, mean, I'm not I, I definitely numbers but you see know. that yeah absolutely you know vaginas are self-cleaning so you know no, that's they, what my okay. Okay. Said. She okay. said herself. No, I understand that. Okay, no reason trying to be. Uh, I'm just no, but the, the, no, 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 not at all. Of course, why? No, it's not based it's on not. practicality. No, but the competition thing I think is important, and I don't necessarily think that competition is necessarily the same thing as like insecurity. That that oh that men. That I'm want gonna. To. I'm well, just like I saw like the Frozen Planet and the polar bears great? have to like. Yeah, they have to. Like, How about that male penguin holding that egg for that long? Unbelievable. Oh, what a great guy. Yeah. Oh, I love Are that. Guy. All penguins lesbians? I don't know. That's a yes. I think most Arctic mammals, I know they're not mammals, but I'll I'll stop talking about this. Yeah. Why? Go ahead. No, talk about I it. I think most Arctic animals might be kind of lesbians, except for polar bears. Polar bears. The polar bears, the ones awesome. battling for the chance to impregnate the female was like, I mean, come on. That's- well, there's weird moments you have when you watch that stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, when you see these animals who keep a harem, you're like, oh, that's clearly, you know, that's how pimping works. Mm-hmm. Very much. <laughs> oh, yeah, completely. And I think that you know, this whole conversation about monogamy and I think monogamy is a compromise between like, you know, civilization and the natural world. It's a, it's a, an imposition on... Uh, on, <laughs> on what? On the natural world. It, it's it's uh, somewhat, it's but it's tricky. also it's tricky. a way to be civilized and a way to say like, all right, if I'm going to marry you, if I'm going to be your property, then I don't want you fucking any other women. If you look at the original... That goes both ways. It goes both ways and... I think I, I think that that's where the that's where the that's where it works. Well, I think the the reason why you know that had to be if it did have to be institutionalized was it's not really our, our nature to do that, and, and part of being civilized is working against our nature. That's the whole idea of civilization. Right. Is the only reason it was really put into place is so people would start you know stop fucking their family and but, <laughs> maybe do well, something. Yeah, but but being jealous is natural. I think. No, yeah, the, I think the seven deadly sins are a pretty practical list of of, <laughs> of what people of do a to do to do list. Well, I mean, I think that if if I really 
like consider them, and I seem a little hung up on them, is that you know th- that list is something that we all have innately. Yes. It's whenever any of them get out of hand, yes, that they kind of fuck up the the balance yeah. of things. So the idea of sin was really just put in place as a barometer for for you know acting properly to make sure that you have like a ba- like life hygiene or whatever. It's yeah, called. yeah, act civilized mm-hmm. in a way. You, yes. you know what I mean? It's like you can't really function if you you know you eat yourself and do a three hundred fifty pound mess. Yeah, you know you can't you know be too proud because no one will like you right you can't envy Don't your friends accomplishments or else you're not gonna have any yeah, friends you'll, anymore you'll collapse in on yourself or you'll kill somebody mm-hmm. you know I, I think a lot of those people with that those rules were put in place because all of those lead to you know horrendous human activity all the most they're like the most natural scale of human emotion you can right, think of right but monogamy i think um is uh is yeah it's a mutual compromise on some level it's just a construct that we've all it's like the stop sign means stop it's like we've all agreed that this would probably be better in the long run if we all sort of right because you know you don't want i think most people i think most murders take place over money or vaginas really yeah that's like that's another reason it's like you fucked him fuck you i'm gonna kill you both you know it's hard for me to think of it that way because i just i don't like being the object in that sentence i know that sounds weird but like i i know that we'll put it on the woman too i mean no we don't we don't we don't kill a lot of people we shoplift do you you not watch the shows that my girlfriend watches oh you mean snapped on oxygen (laughs) no she watches all the crime shows all the murder shows i don't even know which ones all i know is every time i turn the tv on there's There's another woman just morbid music really some horrible thing happening i like this girl you gotta keep her around mark (laughs) (laughs) she's she sounds cool i like i like that i like someone with murder blogs I, i love that yeah yeah because I think another big part of like you know practical relationship once you're done with all the like crazy screwing and the like oh my god you know I hate this but I love this and you're like oh Jesus Christ like the drama of your 20s and everything else it is Mm -hmm. or your 30s wherever it goes is you just have to find somebody that doesn't make you bored so I really do think that being boring is the worst thing you can say about somebody yeah or if you just fall into yourself or patterns I think that's a big one of the big horrible things about relationships is that exactly the same thing that makes them comfortable is what could make them horrendously tedious is that you sort of get into you know, you know systems of behavior and it's all very cute for a while until you realize like I, I, I want to do other things so in other words either the person's boring or you guys make each other boring well i'm just saying that like the same things that you are comforted by like you know oh she always does that yeah we always do this and eventually it's like oh she fucking always does i mean how long does it take to, for that to happen know. it depends on the person it depends on the person's like you know, need for stimulation well, or change. Or... Uh, well, how's this relationship working? How, it's what, going good. What makes it different? Um, we, you know, when I when I met Jack, I was really, I, I would like sort of finish writing the proposal so I knew what the outline of the book was going to be. And I met him and I realized that he was an adult and I really had a lot in common with him and we had a great rapport. And it was just easy. It just sort of happened right away. And he's not in the comedy world, mm. which I also really appreciate and he's incredibly supportive and kind and I could list a bunch of adjectives but I, I'll just say that he was different I was in a headspace where I was more sensitive to seeing people that were different in a good way and that once we got together it was just kind of easy well that's nice it's, and it's a nice rem- story it's remain- right yeah it's a pretty nice story yeah it's okay yeah and what what was the wor- worst one you ever had I mean just all I've only had three boyfriends yeah so that's like worst ones it's like i don't even remember like there's not everything in that book it's like it's just living and like trying to meet people and trying to connect with people and failing and going to the next one but just acquiring or just taking on so much unnecessary 
you know, pain in the meantime. It's all it's all about me. Like the book is about me. It's not like, let me tell you the story about this weirdo. Yeah. I don't think it is. I tried not to make it be that way. I tried to be more self-deprecating than that, but I also just tried to use my experience to really write a book about myself because it's a memoir. It's not like 101 terrible roommate stories. Right. It's it's very it's not much a self-help like self-help book. Oh either. God, no, 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 no! But no. people extrapolate some, you know, you know powerful message people, about people relate to it, and that means a lot alone. to me. I never expected to to be that to people, but I'm happy that I am. So, and what, do you do do you perform stand up or, or comedy or not? Not really. I I've been doing this sh- like my live podcast more and more, and I How's love that? I love it. Yeah, you must. I mean, don't, can I ask you like because I know you do stand up too? Me? Yeah, a little. Do you feel like most? at home when you're talking to yourself on the mic or when you're on stage or is it just completely different? Well, I don't know. I think that if, if I was really left to my own devices, I would, uh, you know, probably sit around and think and, you know, do things to distract myself from myself. And then, you know, occasionally go down the street to see the guy at the coffee shop and go, what's up? Mm -hmm. Uh, but lately, I don't know if I feel more at home on the mic, I, I sort of feel more at home if I'm just, you know, sitting on those steps, you yeah. know, looking at my dumb cats. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Monkey is my favorite, by the way. Al- I'm already? on the record to say, no, no, right away. Yeah. Already. Isn't yeah. he kind of a sweet doofus? I really like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's my favorite too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm attached to him. You've got to write a, a book about how like the cats represent different parts. Like be like a Freud kind of like this cat is represents I the think, outside part of yourself that wants to pee on things. I and, think. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I And he wants to get away with it. That's. Well. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's the thing. There's that freedom. Then sort of like no one saw me. I <laughs> um, so the live show, I, I love doing it. I feel most like myself when I am doing the podcast and I. It took me a while to figure it out. What, what, what? How do you prep for it? What do you do? I keep a list during the week of things that I think are interesting and that I want to talk about. Yeah. And like an email draft. Right. And then I open the email draft and I just sort of go through it. Um, and riff? Yeah. Like what have been the most important things this year? Well, that woman, Polly Perrett from NCIS, tried to get me kicked out of a dog award show. <laughs> The dog awards. I went to like cover it for New York Magazine because I write for them. Sometimes. I think I saw and Conan did something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Triumph was there, and then um, Polly Perrette, this woman with like bangs and tattoos, who's yeah. on I guess NCIS. Yeah. Um, tried to get me kicked out because yeah. I, I asked her a couple questions and she got really paranoid. I think she was. Oh yeah. Pointing to my nose. Oh really? Yeah, I think she was. What that you were on coke or you were? Junior? I wasn't. Oh, no, no, did. she was like jacked. She was just. She was. She complained to the publicist that I was like. She's like, she asked me if I was going to take any of the dogs home with me in my dress. And I'm like, yeah, I did ask that. That was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love being when jokes are misunderstood? Like, well, yeah, you know what? Yeah. More than anything. I love it. And I love when people who are on my side, because I, I am, you know, a feminist person and there are other feminists that will take offense at like something I'll say and we're all on the same side in the big picture of things but when they fight about stuff I've said it's like the best it's you, so funny to me you say that you're a feminist like you know yeah absolutely and what does that mean like right now is that I think women are <laughs> treated like shit all over the world <laughs> and we always have been and uh, yeah, just calling bullshit on sexism and just sort of noticing that like people especially people who don't think they are that they don't think of you know, women as being worse than men kind of act like they're not. So worse than men, or is just that... unequal, unequal. No, they, I know just, what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. But like, is worse? Like, because is there a difference between the idea of objectification and the idea of less than? 
Depends it, on what you're saying, but I know what you mean. Like if you're deifying someone versus you're like. Well, I mean, like I think there's one thing. There's a there's a like there. I think that objectification is more about sex and less than is more about society. Like I, I in the sense that you know the less than is like you know a woman couldn't do that job or women aren't any good at that. And and the sex part is like I want to fuck her. Mm-hmm. Do you know her name? No. Uh-huh. You know so. So one is that they don't think we're smart or qualified and the other because is, we're what yeah. emotional. Oh no no I'm just like I'm, I'm just, just trying I, to think of like why would why would men think that women aren't bright because we we're, we're no offense but we're brighter than you like no, no, we're, no, we're I, you know I, we're intuitive I, I, and like yeah. you know emotionally intelligent on top of that so I think men are, are generally children. No question, and and that you and I lo- and I love men. I love that they're. Ch- I love I love dogs. Two dogs do stupid shit, and it makes me laugh so hard. You know, you just made that jump very quickly. I'm sorry. Yeah, so you, you like it when a boy, a guy is like, "Come here, come." That's it. Kind he, of. He wants to. Well, didn't like, Adam Carolla say something similar on this show? I don't know. He I mean, did. He did. He? he did. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Some people make animal analogies. I've, I think Adam did, and I know Patrice did. But uh, because I don't know if I think about it that much, and I don't always know. Like I have to check myself. Men are children. Yeah. Men, I don't. I don't think in most cases they mean any ill will. It's just you know negligence or like, like. But I was honest. It's like yeah, but you were incredibly mean. Right. Well, I think that also. What like, I do? Well, you forgot to say this. Oh, yeah. it's not like you said something mean on purpose because you're not a sociopath. You're just a dummy. Well, yeah, and I also think that you know the idea of being emotionally childish mm-hmm. uh, is dangerous because if you have unmet childish needs that you know we're not you know that we're left over from bad parenting or whatever and you don't deal with them there's something very frightening about an angry five-year-old in the body of a 45 year old no question no question and in that like it can be very sort of volatile and horrendous well that's just like narcissism Mm -hmm. 101 i mean that's like my needs my needs my needs never stop to think of like what would the person that i'm screaming at want right now have you ever dated a screamer um, no, I, I'm actually pretty, uh, male anger kind of like gives me the, like, I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm gone. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, wow. I just not, it's not a, not a thing. I'll watch a Tarantino movie anytime, but like, I don't, I don't want to be in the room with that. You don't want to be in the line. Yeah. So that, yeah, we would never have dated. Ever. I mean, like maybe like a door slammer if you're on your way out already. Like, right. you know. So you prefer the passive sort of stuff the anger uh I, I like not a screamer, but like a, maybe, maybe, a, maybe you're raising your voice or in order to express yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just like, let's have it out completely. Definitely into communication. Passive is not fun. Well, let me ask you this question because yes. like, and I don't want anyone who's listening to, you know, to bust my balls about it because this is your wheelhouse. Sure. I also know a lot about, you know, dogs. No, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Kind of. Well, like I, you know, what do you have? What are your feelings? And I've asked this of women who talk about this stuff before. The, do you think that there's any way to frame pornography as empowering? Oy vey. Oy vey. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, in the sense that, like, now there's traditional. Like, no, I'm just saying that now that there is this idea, yeah. that you know, uh, burlesque performing, and that there's been sure. this whole reinvention sure. of the empowered, you know, female who is you know in charge of mm-hmm. being exploited. <laughs> okay. In a way, yes. That that is some you know version of feminism. Well, I will tell you this: it is not revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I will tell you also this, um, I, I think art is art and porn is porn and that has never been confusing to anybody with a brain. Mm-hmm. And I think as far as porn is concerned, like there's diff- there's a million different kinds. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely think, I I am concerned about people who grow up with like the internet version of like. Aren't you? 
Well, because the porn sites I've I've seen and I've visited, yeah. like they're right next to like videos of like a guy with his head being blown off. You know, like those kind of clips where it's like, here's a really you know crazy sex thing, and here's a really crazy violent thing, and and you know here's the third window that you know you're gonna open at the same time and have like two things going on and. That that can't be good for for anybody, let alone women or men. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's no, just. I, I think that we have no idea how the pace of technology and the disassociation of imagery affects our brains. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have. There's going to be a whole new generation of completely numbed out. Uh, yes. You know, uh, uh, you know, people incapable of of, of intimacy. And with no real context for, you know, communication. Or, or like people who are just able to compartmentalize in a way that is just shocking. I mean. So that's the optimistic version. Is that optimistic to be able to like, you know, watch some sort of like, you know, girl with like her head in a toilet while it's being flushed, like mm-hmm. being fucked from behind and then like get a call from your mom and be like, oh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I guess that's not good. What am I doing? I'm just watching a video of a girl whose head's in the toilet while she's getting fucked up. What kind of mom talk is that, Mark? (laughs) I'm just being honest. Yeah, yeah. Why are you mad? Yeah, yeah. Why is she mad? Yeah, you raised me. (laughs) Just being honest. Maybe you shouldn't have let me have the internet when I was 11. Women. (laughs) Yeah, so that's right. Women, exactly. We have higher expectations Mm. because we, you know, we're empathic. So we just, there's always like a presumption that like, oh, Maybe he feels what I'm feeling too, or maybe he thinks what I'm thinking too, and that's just not the case. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's the hardest thing. But, is that, but, it, but isn't that kind of nice too, though, to have like a little unpredictability? Isn't it's, that with people in general, though, that you, yes. you you assume like you know why can't they just sense what? I think as long as they're funny, it's fine. The only pro- the, honestly, the only problem I've gotten into is when people just don't have a sense of humor. Right? Don't you think that's the worst thing in the world? No sense of humor. Have you met a lot of people that just don't have a sense of humor? Because every once in a while, like be like friends of family or just you know people who are work friends of friends. And, you mean and you're bores? Just like, what is like? I can forego a sense of humor if someone's nuts. All right, but I, it, so if they're funny, right? But they're not <laughs> funny on purpose. Yeah, that's great too. No, no, absolutely. So if they're insane, but even if they are like you know have a good heart, they like work for you know AIDS. And they're like work for a non. But there's just this earnestness. It's kind of the worst, right? No, no, I agree with you. Like, you know, how do I engage? Where do we, you know, where? Because you know, I think humor is a very immediate connection. Or is it like, are we just addicted to like having fun? It's like this isn't fun. No, no, no. I think that when you engage with somebody comedically, that you know, you sort of break through. Like there's that moment of release or that moment where, you know, all that other stuff kind of peels away and you have a a, a sort of a pure moment and you're not just sitting there with somebody who's rattling off. Right, like a job interview or something. May as well be. Well, yeah. Or you're just not interested or, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm sure that those people find people who are equally as uninteresting and and, uh, maybe their needs are different, Julie. I'd say I'd hope so, but I don't care. It's not for you. It's not, it's not for me. So when you're in therapy, what, what are the issues? Um, my emotions, my own emotions. Oh, what if I'm afraid I mean, of this? What's, what's what if I'm scared? What if I'm what scared? if? What if? I mean, don't yeah. you have more concrete uh, evidence? Like I'm afraid of this. Sure, but you know what it is? I'm afraid of this happening and me being sad about it. So you uh, I'm a, project oh, afraid. You, you're full I'm of dread of my own emotions because if they're so big, then that sucks. Right. Not that. The world will end, but, this all but seems it'll pre- feel like the world ends, and isn't that bad enough? But this all seems preemptive. Do you have events where you're like, 
<laughs> you mean, am I like, am were, I convinced were your, that were like your emotions have just you know pummeled you into a mass? I think that happens all the time. Like, especially <laughs> is, when I'm is it when happening I'm now. No, okay. right now I'm doing okay. I was nervous coming over though. I get is nervous. Working about, out all right? It's going fine. I think it's going okay. Are you feeling okay? Did you have a? You need a VIX. You have a, a Nicorette. I mean, you know, I, will you rub my stomach with You're, that mental With your stuff? stomach or your chest? I like it on my stomach. You do? <laughs> I know, I've never had that. That's weird, right? I've never had Vicks Vapor. It's so old-fashioned. But it's like, so not Jewish. No, you're right. Like the menthol camphor, like no, oily ointment no. on like... Have some soup and go to sleep. Or a triminic. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, well, Robitussin. It's like, it's like legitimate snake oil. It's like what they'd sell door-to-door, door door, like an well, it ointment. it feels nice. I mean, at least there's a... There, I don't know if it's really... Uh, uh, it does anything for your health, but it's kind of nice to, you know, I think that mental... It's fine. Lady, it's like an essential oil, which is also very goyish. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I like that you use those words. <laughs> so you're, you're like old school with the goyish and the uh, oil. And the, uh, but you're as Jewish as I am. No, no doubt. Oh, you... I know. And I know. that's what's... That's the... I know. That's the beauty of like the diversity of Semitism is you could have somebody who's as like, you know, much... I'm just... I'm, ju- I'm telling you, I was just fortunate enough to grow up in uh, Albuquerque. Yeah. But if I had grown up where you grew up with my grandparents down the street... Literally. Uh, yeah. yeah. I would have... Oh, the, very much. Yeah. Very I mean, much. They, uh, did your grandparents move down the street? My grandparents moved to Scarsdale after they... I mean, like my mom's from Flatbush. My dad's from the Bronx. Right. Like, I mean, we're talking about real serious Jew stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went to Hebrew school with Nick Kroll. Really? We went to Solomon Schechter together. He's also very Jewy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> and he was then too. <laughs> um, we were in the same class together for like eight years. Was he funny? Very funny. Absolutely. Always. Oh, com- yes. 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 And adorable. But there's that whole culture of that, that like I always really worshipped in, in, in because there was some pain of not growing up around it. But when I go to my grandmother's house, I mean, we'd have to go to her place to buy, you know, the smoked fish. You know, she would cook those things. Like, you know, I'm very familiar with that whole world. And I worked at a Jewish deli in Boston when I was in college and I became an old Jewish man. Mm -hmm. I was like maybe 19 or 20 years old. And I was like, what? How is that not good? You know, and I, and there was also these weird mind blowing moments about, there was actually a moment where I didn't really register and this is elitism. There's no doubt it's elitism that Jews had regular jobs. Like, you know, I like, <laughs> I like, think? well, no, I met a Jewish cop. I met a Jewish plumber. Uh-huh. You know, I met a Jewish uh, hit man. You know, you it, did not. I did. Really? A contractor, they call them. The really? But I was like, wait a minute. Jews do this and then like I, I completely put you know in my mind Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky didn't exist of course it, you know they, Jews do all kinds of things but I had this weird elitism yeah. Yeah. about you know what Jews were and I think I've disassembled that almost completely well I feel like that maybe was a good look for you mm. the, like just going full forward into the yeah. like nose first into the deli counter yeah. guy no, experience yep, I did I did I worked with a, uh, some very old Jews but they were Boston so it was a little different yes like, that, that was a, that was the whole other thing that like I didn't realize that there were regional old Jews like the Boston oh, old Jews certainly. there's like two or three different kinds of bread in the Boston Jewish lexicon in terms of rye bread well there's there's seeded unseeded what's the third one well there was uh there was rye sure there was light rye okay there was uh the dark rye no there's light rye no the, wait the swirl light rye sure. dark rye pumpernickel and sisal so sisal in Boston was the seeded rye, which was a white oh, rye. Okay. And then dark rye was really not pumpernickel. It was a darker oh, rye. Oh, okay, okay. And then you had the pumpernickel and then you had the regular white rye. Um, so there was four fucking I'm, breads. I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was these old guys who were like, give me the heel. I want the heel of the bread. Sure. Yeah, and that meant you, you had to- scoop that out and you put You had to cut like... the end. 
Yeah, yeah. It, right. There was that. You scoop it out and then you put something really fishy in it. Yep, kishka. I know what that is. Mm-hmm. That was around, but that I missed out on that. I, you know, that was. But a, it's cozy, isn't it? To kind of have those in, no, your, yeah. in your in your back pocket. I mean, I, even though it's not you or it's not what you do day to day, it's nice to know you come from something. Chopped liver, very important. <laughs> My grandmother's chopped liver recipe. I will say, growing up, it, you know, however I did, wherever I did, I was. I. It's not like I liked it. It's not like I felt included. I mean, I I, I didn't go to sleepaway camp. I didn't have like a great experience Why? where I just I I was. So you trying of, to? I was kind of like I sort of. Was Are not... you trying to say you're not a Jap? Oh, I'm a Jap. Oh, <laughs> Mark Marin. Let's not go. Let's not get ahead that, of ourselves. That's, here. I love Japs who are in Jap denial. That to me. Is oh, the, that's hilarious, isn't it? Hilarious isn't that funny? What me? No, I'm not a Jap. I was a hippie uh, Jew. Oh, like that's not the same no, fucking yeah, the thing. Hippie Japs, oh, yeah. the like the fish bumper stickers on the SUVs yeah, and the yeah. like. Well, yeah, there's some serious and also what's brilliant about that, like the Jubu thing. Like it's like um. Adina. My brother's one of that kind. Well, of. that's the thing. It's like Adina on Absolutely Fabulous. You have somebody who's like, de- you know, life is defined by owning things. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like yeah. Buddhism, the, sweetie. Yeah, Jubu thing. That whole the whole um, what do you call it? What do they call it? The reboot. The uh, oh, the reboot Jews. I've never never been invited. Can but but that's our generation though. Mm-hmm. That's our generation trying to honor you know, what they came from and simultaneously hate it. I, you think? Because I think it's just like people who were popular or liked summer camp wanting to extend that adolescence. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like, I was I was so happy in camp. I played soccer and everybody was so nice to me. And now I don't have a boyfriend. And <laughs> let's just have camp again, guys. And I go right. get like a really nice suite at Palm Springs. And you know that, like, where does that but, money come from? Well, no, obviously. But, Dad? But I had, yeah, maybe... But I had an experience where I was invited to one of these sort of reboot seders, and it was okay. But it, what it made me do, it was like at a, 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 it was at a rock club actually, mm-hmm. and they had some groovy rabbi, oh, yeah. and you know, and some. Oh, into, God they spare had a, me from a groovy rabbi. Right, and they had some like uh, caterer who was doing his interpretation oh, like of the fusion, yeah, like a, pot roast, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A, f- a fusion seder food, and oh, and. Uh, it really all it did was make me miss you know the shitty satyrs that I grew up I'm with. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's yeah. like this is horrendous. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean we're all you know we're all here because we don't want to be at our parents' house. Yeah, and all and yet saying, this is so much worse. It's so much worse. I know. Even if that food was better, but you're not looking for good food at a Jew house. You're yeah. looking at Jew food. You know, as I get older, I just realize like God spare me from a twist on things. <laughs> Like, like how dreadful. A, a deconstructed kugel. How dreadful. <laughs> you want you want a kugel with foam? Like really? It's like three wait, wait, noodles. This has been this has been working for how long exactly? Yeah. Since like my grandfather, yeah. my grandfather actually escaped uh, Poland because he beat up a Cossack, and then he sent out for my family later. Really? Yeah, so before yeah, the real the yeah, oh really yeah. before the uh, Holocaust? Yeah. So you you think you can improve on his kugel, like the kugel that fueled the yeah, thousand? Well, I think that I think that's what it represents is uh, some connection to that. And once you start deconstructing it or injecting odd spices, well, but that could be interpreted as like you know the blonde you married mm-hmm. injecting odd. Talk about injecting odd spices. No, I did that. I married the that one. I am so attracted to waspy men, and I think that that is another misunderstanding between like. Jewish men and Jewish women that we just have. Speaking for myself, I completely relate. I, I have that in common. I find that like waspy blonde, sort of Andrew McCarthy and pretty in pink kind of thing, like absolutely irresistible. Your boyfriend like a, is Jewish or no? No, no, he's wasp. 
Hmm. But it's like a very Portnoy's complaint sort of thing. And I, and I don't know if men realize that it works the other way around because it, it's definitely. Yeah, and you think that is a what? Where, where does that come from? I just think that they're they're just so they're just so pretty and <laughs> they just withhold no not that it's withholding but i just think that it's i guess exotic and i think it's also has to do with like wanting to impress somebody with your like how isn't it interesting how ethnic and crazy i am i get to be the crazy one i get to be the crazy and one. i don't have to lock it's, into the the mirror yes, crazy yes it's the julie show and the audience is respectful they're not like throwing bagels they're not they're, or, or, or they're or, or, like or they're know, not going no right of course i understand or, or I, stepping on your or like getting your spotlight but or, that's the fear i was talking about about the patterns there's nothing more predictable than walking into a middle-class jewish relationship if you were brought up in a certain way I do a joke about that, that I said, uh, you know, my first wife was a Jew, which was a mistake because when you marry a Jew and you're a Jew, that means everything you hated about going home is now in your house. Mm-hmm. And I and I mm-hmm. think there's something about that. Oh, no the, question. The, the fighting, the familiarity, because you can fall into a pattern with a Jew. Like, I, like even right here, I know who you are I know for who the you most are part. I, I completely get you. I completely get you. I'll listen, I will listen to your show and it will, like, not, I'm not going to say that you're, because not that you're predictable because your your mind is, you know, really rich and you yeah. do go in different, but I... I know what you're going to say sometimes, yeah. and it's just a matter of having a conversation <laughs> with your own brain. Some sometimes that's sort of hellish. When and I'm not saying it's like, well, then you got to love yourself. It's like yeah. I I'm crazy about myself. Right. I mean, I'm yeah. comfortable with myself at the very least. It doesn't have to do with that. Come it's, on, but Jewish guys are good. Jewish guys are great. Yeah. I love Jewish guys. I really yeah. do. I really do. But isn't that familiarity but I weird? Love like a, a blonde and like a. <laughs> Like yeah. a boating kind of thing. Really? Well, yeah, Jack Sales. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. It's just fascinating. And it, but he's, you know... You're not getting any, any uh, shit from your folks? No. At this point, I think they've, they've resigned it, to the... find somebody. They, they, that, we want you to be happy. That and that, yes, of course. And they've know, they know that I'm stubborn, that like, you know, I'm still... I'm in this career path. I'm not, you know, going to go to law school anytime soon. I'm stubborn What's enough to do What's your plan B? It. Uh, taking plan B. <laughs> this is it? Yeah. What was plan A? The, uh, this was, this was, plan- you know what? It took me a really long time to figure out plan A because I, I knew I loved comedy and I was trying to do different things. But you, okay. So you do the podcast, you've written the book, you've developed yeah. a bit for television, you've written a bit for television. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still working on developing stuff for television, which I really like. I'm sort of a TV girl more than anything else. But before that I did theater, I did like sketch stuff at UCB. When I graduated NYU and um, UCB had sort of just come to New York. So it was a good opportunity to me to like figure out what I wanted to do and take classes and improv wasn't really my thing, but I liked sketch and right. I tried stand up. It wasn't necessarily... I, I did a whole bunch of different things, and then eventually, either someone hires you or you find what you love. <laughs> what did you end up being hired? Where'd you end up? What was your first I break? Staffed uh, at uh, Best Week Ever with Paul F. Tompkins. Right. Staffed uh, at Billy Eichner's show. I just am going to start writing for him again at the end of the month. Which show was that? Um, Billy on the Street. Funny uh-huh. or Die, Billy on the Street. Uh-huh. I don't know if people have seen it because Fuse isn't on all the cable networks, but now it should be. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple other a couple other gigs, and then like some prose stuff. Like I wrote stuff for New York Magazine and Salon, and got something in the New York Times, which got my book thing. But it, it was just all me kind of like throwing stuff out and knowing that I had a voice, knowing that I you know had something to say, but not quite exactly. It wasn't as simple as like I'm a stand up. I'm going to keep trying this and banging my head against yeah, the wall. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I don't. It out. But I think part of me always wishes that it was that linear. Do you want it? You don't want to be a comedic performer. What does that mean? Like a comedic actress. Like, I don't know, like Tilda Swinton. <laughs> no, like, like, uh, like who? Like, like um, do you sing? Yeah. 
Like Bette Midler. Mm. Love Bette Midler. You don't want to be Bette Midler? None of us can be Bette Midler. Well, I know, but you know, there's a style there. I wouldn't mind it. I you mean, ever thought about doing a cabaret show? Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I have thought about it, and then I kind of go back to doing what I was doing. I'll just write this. I'll just write. I'll just write. Yeah. I, I can. You know what? If you can write, then you should. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. it's something that sucks to do. It's boring. It's painful. It's like agonizing. You're alone with yourself. You want a snack. Yeah. Instead, but like, if you can, and you read something later, and be like, "Wow, I'm good at this," then you you've just got to do that. That's so. The, be the so word the dream is to be uh, a television producer. I would love that, and I you know love doing the podcast so much that like I I also have to say like. Tom Sharpling has been the biggest influence on me as not going into podcasting. I have to say, like, he was really intimidating. Like, I, I never thought I and I can't do what he does. But I think of him as like a broadcaster, mm-hmm. not just a podcaster. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to, like, keep getting better so that I'm going to stay here because I'm good. Hopefully. Right. Yeah, I, I like doing it. Do you check things like ratings or people downloading your thing or like those things? Um, I don't check my numbers. I, you know, I, I get somewhat obsessed with the iTunes rating, which is out of all of them means nothing. But that's the number that you check. No, there's no number to check. Or there. that's the thing the you ranking. Can check. Yeah, right, but that's right. not. It's based on an algorithm. It's not based on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it changes daily. It's like Amazon. How you do know, you not, how do you drive yourself crazy lately? Um, it's certainly a luxury problem, and it's not a complaint. But I'm not used to being this busy. And the feeling that, you know, nothing is slowing down really kind of fucks me up sometimes. Just because, like, okay, I can finally, oh, fuck, I got to do that. But isn't that, like, the fear, like, in that Joan Rivers documentary where she says, Did you write for her? Yes. I love Joan Rivers. There's nothing not to love. I mean, what did you write for her? on a couple of different shows, like, But not her stand-up. Um, no, I haven't written her stand up, but I wrote for her on like a few different realities. I went with her to her first appearance on Letterman. Like mm-hmm. I rode with her in the limo, like when she went back after like eight years. And, why, do you, why do you love Joan Rivers? Um, she's a really good person and <laughs> she's really funny and she's sort of like the last man standing from right. that time. That's like truly, right. she's like a legend, no yeah. question. And she's also just incredibly kind and- Is she? Oh, so great to work for. Like you pitch her a joke and she'll make sure to be like, that was very good. You know, she's just very, very warm. And, and also very Jewish. The, the Jewishest. But she, in that documentary, had that thing where she'll take a job because her worst fear, she showed it's her calendar. And if it's blank, that's when she gets scared. Right. But like, in other words, the other flip side of that fear is that it just never stops and you're busy and I just don't know how to like because I've been self-employed so long and I've certainly yes. been the guy that's had an empty calendar. Yes. And the dread about work in the past was really like, you know, I would be terrified to do things and I had to put a lot of energy into pretending like I wasn't terrified. I don't have that fear anymore. Now I'm just, you know, concerned about my health and about exhaustion and about overextending myself and just tapping out. Yeah. Uh, like I, I don't have. So it f- sounds like you're trying to focus more internally, but like you have the anxiety that the external is going to like fuck with what you need to do. Well, there's that, and there's just general anxiety. You know, I t- I that eat a lot gonna... of nicotine lozenges because I I think I'm medicating anxiety. I see. So in other words, like, is your anxiety that you have all this stuff to do and you won't get it done or you won't do it well? 
Well, just that I don't want to. Um, or it'll be your life, and you won't have anything well, else. I just know. No, I just know my brain that like I have to be careful about like you know anxiety leading to uh, aggravation, leading to me. So saying you're something. afraid of your feelings too. I'm afraid of this one because I know like I have a very I have a rare talent to say one or two things and destroy almost everything. Mm-hmm. And that will sort of like wipe out everything that you've done before yeah, your relationships or yeah sure i mean it doesn't take a lot yeah if you focus your rage yes. or your or your entitlement in a certain way yeah to uh to destroy things we have so much rage don't we uh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a I mean, frankenstein grunt but no i'm 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 very angry and i try to and that's i think my biggest challenge is managing more than like depression i think managing my my anger because it, it feels like a different energy in the way that like anxiety and depression go together but anxiety well, seems like wired and depression seems like low energy what well, i think that that whole idea that uh, depression is anger turned inward i never really got it but it, you know I, yeah if you beat yourself down that can lead to that what are you angry about um it, it could it could be anything from like i you know spilled coffee to like right, my career is not where i want it to be but where does the um the river of tappable rage start from i mean where you mean like the source are we going yeah. back to like childhood sure i mean because I, I mean oh, not being popular like being you know not really having friends or fitting in or feeling like i wasn't you know recognized by my peers like my parents always were like incredibly complimentary of me but i wasn't sort of like <laughs> it was never cool mark <laughs> mm. So you never fit in? No, Did but you put a lot of energy okay. into trying? That's a, you know what? That's a really good question because no, I didn't. I just sort of expected that everybody would be like, get a load of Klausner. Like, mm. let's let's give her a, a look-see. And it wasn't a question of like, hey, guys, I'm wearing what you're wearing. Let's yeah. maybe go hang out at recess. Or yeah. like, hey, what are we doing this weekend? It was just kind of, you know, very narcissistic, standoffish, sort of like, I'm great. Why don't they know that? Fuck them. I hate them. <laughs> like oh, so very, it, huh? very, yeah, very, um, just so juvenile and embarrassing. Because I think mine comes from that the actual pain of exclusion. That I think that most of like I never Were felt you, like, like I bullied fit in. kind of thing. Well, not bullied, but I never felt confident ever in my you know in my younger self. So I was always looking to attach to people that seemed to, to have confidence or seemed to have a personality that you know really stood out and it wasn't until college where i i you know where the anger sort of started to define me but at least i had a personality yeah but i think most of my rage just comes from being too sensitive of, oh, of always feeling like everything's hurting me so if somebody says something and you oh, immediately yeah. take oh, yeah. it to yeah. mean that yeah. you're really who you think you are right and then and then i be i developed a sort of preemptive uh personality where i would lash out and and com be completely distrustful before any relationship could even be. But know, it sounds started. like you were forging relationships with people that, I mean, at the time that like you thought could forge your way that you could sort of like hitch well, your yeah, heart to. Right, right, right. Yeah. But you didn't trust those people either? Well, it just never really panned out because you know what, you know what you're really missing is within you. You know, and I think that because my father was so narcissistic and unpredictable. Oh, and, you've got a lot of father and, stuff, and, I and know. And bipolar. Yeah. But I got mother stuff, too. She was yeah. pretty detached and self-involved. But the father thing is your... I think well, when you grow up around someone who's volatile and unpredictable, there's no, there's you no know... Question. There's no There's no center. Yeah, and it's also... But you're also attracted to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, because it's home. Yeah, yeah. So that stuff, yeah. Man, this turned out to be really... Um, I'm so, uh, I was going to apologize, but I'm not going to, actually. No, just let me sit in it. I see how you are. All right, so we good? I think we're good.
You feel okay about it? I feel good, but I want to. I want to say goodbye to your cat monkey before I go. Do you feel like I was here for you? Completely. I feel like I feel really good. I feel much better than I, I did when I was coming here, and I was nervous, and I didn't know what to expect. And if you were, I wasn't be. too cranky. No, you weren't cranky at all. But I don't. I didn't. You know, I, I like I know you in that way that I know you know who right. you are to some extent. But, but I, I, I know I told you I was sick and I was kind of being bitchy. Well, I, you're you're like normally I would reschedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like. But I, but I want to go through with this. And I was like, I so oh, that, like that whole thing, what you. I did in that email it's was fine. Like, I, you know what though? I could smell it from a mile away. And I told, I know I how knew, to, I knew exactly I what know, I was doing, but you know what? I know how to deal with it. Yeah. And I, 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 was, loved, like, I, I was doing a standard male thing that you I probably get it. hate. No, I don't hate it. I, you know what no, it is? I don't want to break up to you. That, that, that's a, do you say that? I don't want to break up with you. No, I don't want to break up. Do you want to break up? Really? That's what you do when you want to break up with someone? No, I'd stay with them until it completely destroys itself. So you just sort of like insert doubt. You kind of like <laughs> yeah, I'm plant big, doubt. I'm a, I'm a big doubt You're inserter. The doubt planter. Yeah, I'm a doubt inserter. I will say this. Doubt planner. I I completely uh, I completely get it. I completely appreciate it, and I and I like you very much. I like you too. Thanks for coming. Of course. Okay, that's it. That was interesting. That was an engaging chat with uh, Ms. Klausner. Hope you enjoyed that. Please go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Get some just coffee.coop on there. And watch me. You can watch me uh, tomorrow night on The Burn with Jeff Ross on Comedy Central. The lovely Jeff Ross. Uh, what else? Yeah, get it, go to WTFPod.com. Get, a, you know, get, a, get the app. You can get on the mailing list. You can buy some merch. You can kick in a few shekels. You can see he's been on the show so you don't bother me. I'm going to ask me to put people on the show that have already been on the show. You can leave comments on the comment board. And, you know, if you're an asshole, you, know, you can express it there. If you're nice, you can express it there. I prefer the latter. What else do I have to tell you? I appreciate everything you're, you're doing out there. That sounded kind of funny. Thank you for listening. Boomer. Boomer. Boomy. All right. Well, Boomer is, uh, is is not happening. Did I cover everything I need to cover? Did I tell you that, like... All right. I didn't tell you this. I, uh, okay. So I go over to tape the show today with Jeff, the burn, and they asked me if I wanted them to order dinner for me. So I said, you know, I, I would like a steak salad from this place where I got the menu. So I don't even know why I'm telling you this. So I go, I get to the dressing room. Like this is this is me voice. This is not, you know, I'm not. This is not radio voice or podcast voice. So I get there, and there's my salad, and it must have just arrived because with the salad in a separate container was like a homemade chip, which like with homemade chocolate chips and three kinds of ice cream inside of it, and uh, and three sauces, caramel sauce. Um, hot fudge and whipped cream. Now, I'm not on a diet right now, but that was fucking ridiculous. Like, I saw that and I was like, are you fucking serious? Who, why would anyone do this to me? And I, sh- I fucking shoved half of it in my mouth and I was just dipping my knife in the caramel sauce and eating it. If I didn't hate myself for eating, I would weigh a lot more. And I'm not going to say I'm fat because I know that upsets people. But when I was eating that, all I could think was like, I don't ever, ever want this to stop. And then the other part of me said, you fuck, you're going to have a heart attack. 
and I threw like half of it away. But they, they were big halves. Okay, I threw a quarter of it away. And I had to fight myself to not go into the garbage can and get it back out. Anyways, so let's just keep that between us. The, uh, the chip witch thing. Alright? Tenacious D on Thursday. Alright? You can tell people about that, but not the chip witch thing. Okay. That's it. 